Good morning. Um, thank you for being here. It feels good to, uh, to be with like-minded people. And man, you, you get to be in, uh, in church this morning. This is, this is a building. We call this the grand building. This is the church. Left and right, this is the church. feels good to be with, uh, man, just people who, who want to love and... Um, you know, if you, if you walk in, maybe it's your first time in church uh, in a long time, or maybe it's your first time ever, uh, I think there's always a tendency to, to feel like, man, everybody here knows everything, and I don't know anything. And I just want to assure you that the people to your left, right, back, and front feel the exact same way. Uh, and we're all just on this path, okay? We're on the same path, doesn't matter how far along the path you are. I promise nobody has gotten there yet. But we're all headed to the same uh, same place, hopefully. And if not, we love you too. Maybe you're here and you don't agree with us, but we love you too. But it feels good, and the sun's shining. So hopefully today is good for your soul. Uh, if, if you're online, there's a significant amount of people who join us online. Uh, same thing. It's, it's just good to know that people are doing the same thing you're doing at the same time. So if you're online, if you would just maybe drop something to say that you're here, uh, just to encourage those who are watching along with you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We ask that you be with the Holy Spirit. We invite you to be uh, in us, Lord, that we would be uh, the sanctuary this morning, that we would be the holy temple that you are in and that you fill with your presence and your dwelling. And we're just so uh, grateful for who you are. And uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Teach us. Teach, rebuke, correct, and train us in righteousness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, we're, we're walking through uh, the Gospels uh, and have been doing so really since uh, the Christmas season and uh, have, have been walking through. Today is no different. I want you to go to Luke chapter 4 with me. Uh, all the scripture will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible in your hands. If you don't have a Bible, we have them in the foyer. And so as you exit today, please, 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 uh, grab a Bible. Nobody expects you to be a Bible scholar, okay? But here's what you can do. Uh, the verses that you see today, go and read them in the, their entire context. Uh, so you have a, a connection card. It has a notes section. So just at minimum, just write down, uh, write down the, the verses that we see so that you can go and, and check. Always, always, always go with what this says over what I say. I do my best to be faithful to this, but we hold this as the Word of God. So Luke chapter 4, I'm in verse 16. It will be on the screen. Um, Jesus has, uh, has been born. We see him kind of go through uh, just a glimpse of his childhood by age 12. Possibly he knows, not possibly, by age 12, he knows that he is the Messiah to come but has come, right? And then we catch up again with him at around age 30. And so he will do ministry for three years. He will die at, at age 33. Uh, but we, we are catching him here early on in his ministry. So this is right after he gets baptized and then he goes to be tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And that's what we talked about for the last four weeks is those things. And then verse 16 he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So he went to his hometown. All right? Already, this is relatable. <laughs> as usual, as usual, that means we've been here before, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. 
as usual, per his usual, he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stands up to read. He has done this before. He knows the scrolls. Jesus does not have a binding like this. They're still going to be using scrolls. And he only has what we call the Old Testament. Jesus is the New Testament or the New Covenant or the New Law, okay? And so all he has is the Old. So that first 39 books in your Bible is what he has, and he knows it well enough to grab the right scroll, scroll down to where he wants, which is not easy if you've ever messed with a scroll, and know exactly where he's reading. So yes, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, but he knew what he was talking about, okay? So he goes in, he's done this before, but now things are different because he's never claimed to be the Messiah before, not publicly. He's never claimed to teach with authority before, not like authority like, oh, you have a PhD, that gives you authority. No, like God's authority. And so people are going to reject him. Watch this as we read this. They're going to reject him. Why? On the basis of what he says? No. Because they know his parents. Okay? Because he is familiar we do the same thing, okay? We do the same thing all the time. For example, your son, daughter, comes home with a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend. What is your first question? Who are their parents? As if you're just like your parents, right? Show me something familiar so that I can judge this by all my past experiences, And I'm not saying that there's not appropriate times to understand what is familiar. I'm just saying that they're going to reject what is under their nose because they're going to work on their own assumptions, their own presuppositions. Presuppositions. Said it. Instead of weighing what he said also by what he is doing. So we reject things that are familiar. I'll talk more about that in a moment, but let's go to verse 24. He also said, truly I tell you, he's going he's gonna to read to them about being the Messiah, and they're going to get mad at him. They'll begin to reject him. And I'm skipping to 24 for you. I want you to go home and read this in his full context. But He also said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's day when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over, over the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except a widow as Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Well, that was confusing. Let me help you with this. They're going to reject Jesus because he's familiar. 
And Jesus is going to say, hey, you're going to miss what's under your nose. And we've always done that. And he gives two examples from the Old Testament. I am going to pick one of these examples, and we're going to talk about this today. The reason I am picking Naaman the leper over the widow is because her story is longer, and I don't have time to cover it in the setting that we have, okay? So I'm just going to take you to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. Jesus is going to say a lot of people miss what is right under their nose. They're going to reject something simply because it is familiar, simply because they think they know about it when they've never really explored it. And we are in that boat, okay? We are in the same boat as that. I'm going to just show you what he's talking about through 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. We're going to explore the very thing that he just told them. 2 Kings chapter 5, here we go, verse 8. All right, now, there is a prophet. Now, a prophet is someone who says, thus saith the Lord, right? God speaks to the prophet. This prophet, prophet is going to speak to the people. There is a prophet named Elisha. All right, and he is uh, really an incredible story. I want you to read all of this. It's fascinating. There's so much to learn about God from his story. But Elisha is not loved by his own king. He is an Israelite, and the king of Israel does not love Elisha. In fact, he hates Elisha. Now, at the same time, there is a neighboring country, okay? Uh, there's a neighboring country, Syria, and the king of Syria has a valiant warrior named Naaman, and he greatly values Naaman, and he's made Naaman a rich man with servants and all these other things, right? So Naaman comes down with what we think is leprosy. Well, actually, we know is leprosy. It doesn't say it in the Old Testament, but Jesus said he had leprosy. It just says in the Old Testament of skin disease. He, he comes, he, he, he has leprosy, which in his day is a death sentence. The king is sad because his most valiant warrior is going to die of leprosy. Now, Naaman has a servant girl from Israel. And she apparently is treated well and likes her master, and says, if only Master Naaman were back in Israel, there's a man there who could heal him. So Naaman goes and tells the king, hey, my servant from Israel said that there's a man there who could heal me. The king says, say less. He writes a letter to Israel and says, I'm sending Naaman so that you can have him healed. Now, the king of Israel is livid. What am I supposed to do with this? I can't heal leprosy. Are we not that king? Why are you bringing me your problems? I can't help your problems. What am I, God? He's got Elisha living in his land who speaks from God, has done incredibly miraculous deeds through the name of his God, but it just slips the king's mind. Because the king is so egocentric, so self-centered. What am I supposed to do? I can't heal leprosy. We got lepers here. We can't heal them. What are we supposed to do? And the answer's right under his nose, but he's not even thinking about it. Yet someone in Syria is looking for help from however it will come. 
Do you see? And you are in that boat in, in a way because much of Israel has rejected Christ as the Messiah, yet the Gentile nation, which is us, has said, hey, I heard there's someone here who can heal me of my disease. Right? So, in verse 8, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. So the king doesn't like Elisha, but he has no other options because he doesn't want to disappoint the Syrian king because the king of Syria is not going to accept it. He's just going to be like, hey, you just don't want to help us because we're Syria. And so this could become a huge conflict. So finally, okay, fine. So this massive party comes, and, and, and they just stop at the door of Elisha's house. Now, we've been here before because most all of us have this testimony. I came to God through pain. The reason I came back to church, the reason I came to God, the reason I began to pray, the reason I began to read my Bible is because I had a problem. And I had tried to fix it myself. I got to the end of myself and I could not fix it. And so we become begin to come to church, and maybe that is why you are here. Maybe you've been to church for a while, but yet you have a problem, and I need a word from God this morning. Have you ever shown up to church like that? It may not be today, but you show up, and, and you are on pins and needles like, I got to have something. I got to have something because there's nothing else for me. Now, the problem is, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to blame culture. I don't want to blame TV evangelists. Actually, I love blaming TV evangelists. That's kind of fun. But I can't just put it all on that. But what do you expect to happen when you go to Christ for help? Well, you're about to find out because you are naming in this story, okay? Typically, when we read the Bible and there's a story and there's a, a big meaning in the story and you're looking for yourself... Most often you're the bad guy or the lame person or the blind, you know what I'm saying? We're seldom the good guy. And that has proven true. But the king didn't even think to mention Elisha. Didn't even think about it. Lived in his own land. Somebody will come to seek him from somewhere else, but right there, under his own nose, People will come to find answers, and we're going, I don't know what could help. I just don't have anything for you. Man, that's, I'm baffled. I don't know. And it's, it's a little odd, because you may grow up in church, you may, you may be a Christian, but there's an infirmity that you have, and, and you can't seem to get over it, and I've been working through it for years. And then some joker shows up, and in six months is just lit on fire. Completely, their life has changed, right? And, we're, and I know I'm running off screen here, but we're running going, Gabriel, Gabriel. Can you stand up? i got to stand up. I should have picked a smaller dude. Y'all can't even see me. We're going, Gabriel. What has happened? What has happened? And he's like, it's this. And I'm like, well, tell me. <laughs> right? 
what did you read? And he's like, dude, it was the Holy Spirit teaching me. You don't understand. My verse may not be your verse. Your verse may not be my verse. The revelation that you get from God that changes you may not be the revelation that changes Gabe, that changes Lane, that changes Priscilla. It's the Holy Spirit working through these things, and the whole while it's under your nose. And so he just came from a faraway land looking for answers that were right under my nose. Now I'm going to take a commercial break, and I'm going to ask, Degan, will you turn these ceiling fans down? Because I see some people looking at me like, dude, I'm about to leave. You are cold in the center, okay? Just hit number one on those. Verse 10, then Elisha sent him a messenger. Now, there's a huge party. Syria's best man just showed up with an entourage to Elisha's door. What is he expecting? The same thing we're expecting. Elisha's going to walk out. He's going to be speaking tongues or something. It's got to be spiritual. It's got to be a spectacle. And he's going to do some voodoo stuff, and he's going to levitate, and he's going to zap me with something, and then, and then I'm going to feel a tingle. And then he's going to say, I'll help you more if you'll send a little more money. And then another TV preacher joke. i got to get off that, y'all. But it is true, and that was a good one. What is he expecting to happen? Then Elisha sent him a messenger. <laughs> Elijah didn't even show up to the door. He just sent one of his servants. Like, hey, Elijah, the most important people you've ever met in your life are here to see you. Ah. Elijah sent him a messenger who said, go wash seven times in the Jordan and your skin will be restored and you will be clean. What an odd reception. Elisha doesn't even show up. He sends a messenger, and, and there's, no, there's no voodoo, there's no levitating, there's no anything. There's just a very odd set of instructions, and here's the deal, that are not mystical. They're incredibly practical. And, quite frankly, it could be better. Could have done something a little cooler. There could have been a, a ritual. At least someone in a robe could say something. <laughs> the Jordan River is not the world's most impressive river. But it is the world's most symbolic river. Because this is what the people had to cross to come into the promised land. This is what feeds into the great seas. This is where the headwaters are what Jesus walked on. This is a very symbolic River And also what you need to know for these people, when I ask you, hey, you ready for the game today? And you say, 100%. In this day, you would have said seven times because God completed the world in seven days. So seven means 100%. And so when he says, go rot wash in the Jordan River, 
He's saying, go spiritually cleanse yourself 100%. He didn't tell him a different number. So don't stop till you get to seven, right? Now, would that have been weird? <laughs> you got a whole body of people watching you, and you walk into the Jordan River, which, by the way, I mean, you're probably not jumping off a rock doing a cannonball at the Jordan River. You probably have to lay down to get submersed in the Jordan River in most seasons. And then you come up, and then you go back seven times. Wouldn't that be strange? Especially if you're one of the most powerful men in your nation and everybody's sitting there watching like, this is weird, dude. <laughs> dude here's a towel. <laughs> Again. It probably felt redundant to go back day after day Day one, I don't know, I'm not better. Day two, day three, it's isn't working. How many times? 100%. See, it's not about seven, it's about your all. Jesus came to earth to cleanse us from our sins so that we could get to God. And so if we accept the payment for our lives to purchase our sin away, how much of us did he buy? 100%. And so... We have a lot of Christians, and I, I mean this in a way to encourage and uplift you because I want you to know there's something more for you because you only got to day three. You only got to 30% of yourself because by the time I get into the Jordan River three times, I'm so mad. Elisha didn't even show up to the door. How do I know this was really even his servant? I am done with this. I'm going to church. I didn't feel any better. I don't. In fact, I'm going to start trying other religions. I may even try atheism. They can at least watch porn. In a different religion, at least when you die, you get 70 virgins or, or something else. And, and, and quite frankly, there's something more mystical out there. Because this is way too practical. I feel silly doing it. This is no different than us. But he says, give me Everything. Hand it all over to me. And watch what I do. Okay? So I think Naaman responds the way that we all would, quite frankly, in verse 11. But Naaman got angry and left. He was told to go wash seven times in the Jordan. He, he got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself, he will surely come out, stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the skin disease. <laughs> I told you. And that's what we're looking for. And people show up and they hear me preach and they're like, oh, I don't get what you see in this guy. You don't see anything in me. It's this. That's why every week, do you know how much pressure that takes off me? Well, you think I'm going to fix something? I'm like the king of Israel going, hey, look, look, I appreciate that you brought this to me thinking that I can do something with it. But let me introduce you to my God. 
This is the thing that's right under your nose. I can't do anything. I'm going to send you to Elisha. But I'm a man just like you are. This is where it is. This is the cleaning in the Jordan River. Aren't Abana, in verse 12, and, and Farper, Farpar, Farfar, Farpar. If you say it fast enough, people are like, he knows what he's talking about. Sometimes, I have to admit, I have no idea how to say that. The rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel, couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in a range. I think I'd have been angry too, honestly. I mean, just from my own past experiences. And I've talked with some of y'all, and I, I think we can all say that. I think he was expecting something different, something more mystical. And God just said, go humble yourself. Give me 100% of what you've got. Verse 13, but his servant approached and said to him, and some of y'all have this person saying these things in your life, and, and, and we just want to slap these people. But his servant approached and said to him, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? Like, really, you're going to die if he would have said give all your money, wouldn't you have given it? If he would have said sell all your possessions, wouldn't you have done it? You're dead anyways. You might as well try. Wouldn't you have done that? But he didn't even ask that. He just said do this. Why not try it? Do you know that as a minister, one of my great goals, I, I, I want to bring people closer to God. And one of the ways that you do that is, is getting into this. And, and I tell people I, to, to get on your knees and, and pray and ask God, I need you to speak to me because now I'm, I'm praying so I'm speaking to God. And then, and then I, I read the Bible and, then, and now God is speaking to me. We begin to have a conversation with God and it begins easier to communicate as you go along. And so this is one of my goals, not just as a, a, this, a new rule, for life, but it's a goal to get people to get a word from God for themselves. And one of the hardest things I do is get people to ever read their Bible. It's right under our nose, but we will search the world for anything else because, quite frankly, there's better rivers out there than the Jordan. This is so common. This is so familiar. And I know a lot of people who have these in their house that are just terrible people. And we're no different than the people from Nazareth rejecting Jesus because we know his parents. Right? We're rejecting this power just because it's familiar. It's been on my coffee table since I was born. Okay, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he only tells you, wash and be clean? Verse 14, so Naaman went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the command of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. This might be the weirdest thing I've ever said, but you are so close to having the skin of a small boy. <laughs> You are so close of God delivering you. And some of you have that. Think about this for just a moment because I think this testimony is in here a lot. Do you remember something that you were fervently praying for 10 years ago? It's gone, isn't it? But you don't even know when. You don't even know how. 
All you know is I remember walking through that valley, but I never remember coming out the other side. But now it's so far in the rearview mirror, I can't even see it anymore. We never celebrated it because we washed seven times and God brought us through, just like he brings us through everything else, and we didn't even notice it. I think that testimony is all in this place. We have got to open our eyes and say God is cleansing us. God is taking away our infirmities. And it's not always coming through mystical. I've never in my life levitated. It's just going to the Jordan River. It is just getting on my knees. It's just seeing what God has to say. Let the Holy Spirit do work in you because you've given 100%. I've washed seven times. Complete. So I put myself in the shoes of Naaman. But put yourself in the shoes of Elisha for a second. (laughs) This guy is outside your door in a complete rage. And you're like, man, I thought that was a pretty easy task. I thought that was simple. I thought anybody could do that. What is it that keeps us from being healed? What is it that keeps us from getting to the Lord? I venture to say, if something stands between you and God, no matter how valuable the world holds it, if you'll weigh it against eternity, it's got to go. Now let's go back to Luke. He says, a prophet is not honored in his hometown. You guys won't believe me because I'm familiar. But in the days of Elisha, only one leper was healed. Think about that for a moment. Only one leper was healed, and he was from Syria. The lepers living near Elisha had a leper walk by them, and a healed man walked back, yet not one of them ever went to Elisha. A caravan from a neighboring country walked through mourning the loss of their master and came back celebrating the revival of their master, and not one person went to Elisha. Jesus is going to go into Nazareth, and few will believe. Few will be healed. Yet the rest of the world will flock to him. They will come sick and leave healed. But the familiar We'll have none of it. So what's the point? God has healing for you. Of that I'm sure. God has healing for you. There is counseling. We all need counseling. We all need mentors. We all need people to hold us spiritually accountable. But you will get no greater revelation than what God himself gives you. And all he's asked is for you to wash seven times in the Jordan River. 
He said, only one widow was saved. Let me tell you, she was the one looking. Only one leper was saved. He was the one looking. If you are looking, may I propose, look here. If you will do, I don't care if you are new to Christianity, you may not even believe in God, you may have a PhD from seminary, but I think that there is still more for you on this path. I think there is closer for you to get to God. And here's how you will do that. Are you all ready? Help me out. Number one, pray. Number two, read your Bible. Number three, go to church. Congratulations, you're killing it. And number four, be the church. Don't just, don't just get spiritually fat. Go do something about it. And you will get closer to God. All right. Now, my favorite part. Okay, I have a special friend. Come on, friend. All right. Let me unplug this for you. Oh, yeah. Warm as an ice cream cone. <laughs> Perfect. This girl's in for a treat. All right, come here. Stand by me for just a second. All right, y'all, this is my friend Camden. Camden, this is your family. How about that? Man, Christmas ought to be awesome this year, huh? Look at that. These are all people who love you and want to do what you're doing. You know, spiritually, uh, to God, your, your soul, the spirit that's inside of you. Y'all, this, this is just a jar. What's valuable is what's inside of you. I'm not saying your body's not valuable. Take care of it. But do you realize that this spirit is just as eternal as your spirit? Which means what? I have a lot to learn from Camden. And so in her bravery today in doing this and coming and standing in front of hundreds of people, there's a lot for you to learn from that. She's very bold, being very brave. So, uh, Lane, will you hand me the microphone on the front row, please? Um, so today, I just want to tell you that Camden, tell them how old you are. Ten. She just turned ten, which is awesome. Uh, and one of the reasons that's awesome is I tell you guys all the time, this is a big decision. When you are baptized, you are positioning yourself to follow God. You are getting yourself held accountable by, by people. This is a really big decision, and it does not need to be taken lightly. So I like for people to be at least 10 years old. So dude, as soon as she turned 10, she was like, let's do this thing. And uh, so I'm, I'm super excited about that. But I want to ask you in front of your church body, because this puts a target on your back. You understand that, right? When you go to school... Probably not the same next week because Satan is like, that's the enemy, okay? Seeing you because you have publicly said who you are. He wants to destroy you, but you have a good God that will heal you, that will help you. And so I'm going to ask you in front of all of your church family and your family. Family, thank you all so much for being here and supporting and obviously pushing uh, for this. I'm going to ask you in front of everyone, have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? He has purchased your life. Have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. Okay. Will you guys hear that? So go ahead and step in. All right. Now, Camden, go ahead and sit down. I know you know this. I've been over this part with you, but I'm going to say it so everyone can hear it. I am going to 
Uh, grab your arm while you hold your nose. That gives me a handle. And I'm going to hold you under for three seconds because this is, this is the death of Camden who's in charge of Camden, okay? And then we will have the resurrection. And by the way, for resurrection, there should be a little bit of celebration. Uh, we, we will have a resurrection of the Camden where Jesus is in charge, okay? So that's what we're doing here. Okay, so Camden is my honor to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in death. Raised to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. Awesome job, baby. Proud of you. Good deal. Let me tell you, when you get baptized in some 50-degree water, it sticks with you, okay? I don't know what happened to the heater, but that little girl toughed it out. Uh, the worship team is going to play, and, uh, and we've got some people going to come with, with baskets. And so tithing offering is part of the way that we, uh, we worship, but, but you have a connection card. Uh, we would love for you to write down anything that you're going through, uh, questions. Maybe you'd like a phone call this week, anything like that. We would love to get with you. Better yet, we have a prayer team. Prayer team, if you'll go ahead and move to the front. We have a prayer team who will be up here. And uh, they, would, they would just love to visit with you. So during worship or when service is over, they'll still be here. We want to pray with you, chat with you, uh, and, and just, just provide that for you and just be family for you. So um, having said that, I think that's everything. Please stand and worship.